All right, Vikings fans. Well, they are now officially two and four, but I can't say that I feel any better about the team after uh, that win against Chicago Bears on Sunday. Let's dive into it. Hey everyone, this is Nick Miller with Climbing the Pocket here with your weekly episode of Purple Process. As a reminder, this show is about everything big picture with the Vikings. Where do things currently stand? Where should they go in the future? And what are the things that we're looking out for? Um, and as things stand right now, uh, things are not great uh, from the Vikings from a uh, micro perspective. After playing the helpless Chicago Bears on Sunday, the Vikings did win, which we always won. It always puts a win in, uh, win in the W column, but the team looks pretty poor uh, in their performance, uh, especially on offense. You know, you know, coming the first game after Justin Jefferson went on IR, you know, you're trying to see how could they adapt? You know, how could they, you know, come in there and maybe they get the ground game going? You know, what, you know, pass catchers were going to step up? You know, Jordan Addison did catch a touchdown. He looked good. Uh, but overall, uh, the Vikings offense uh, recorded just about 220 yards of total offense. Uh, and against the Chicago Bears, even with them getting some of their defensive backs uh, in the lineup, um, it's not good. Uh, I, I don't feel great about it. It almost feels, you know, that we've had a few uh, losses that felt like wins that we played really well that day. Uh, but we just made a mistake or something at the end, like the Chargers game, for example. Whereas this one was a win that kind of felt like a loss because of how bad Chicago was. And if we can't, um, you know, continue to uh, improve and show out or, or potentially even win by two scores against a team like Chicago, that doesn't build any confidence moving into, you know, a game like San Francisco this coming week or into the future. So there are a lot of cracks uh, in this season. And one of the things that I've been finding uh, fascinating recently has been the blame structure around, you know, who exactly is responsible, you know, for the Vikings starting out two and four and looking, uh, you know, bad in the process. You know, some will just say, you know, it's just luck. You know, there is, you know, the the Vikings are fumbling. They have, you know, relative to the rest of the league, they've lost more fumbles uh, when they do fumble than other teams have, and they just haven't been luck. And that standpoint, there's been a few Kirk Cousins uh, interceptions that, you know, just bought, bounced off the hands of our players, whether it be a drop or just a difficult catch, um, you know, or there's been plays work on defense where, you know, the ball went right through Cam Bynum's hands or, you know, players have had opportunities to, um, you know, make big plays. And they just haven't when it's been right there for the taking. And, you know, some would call that, you know, bad luck. You know, there's luck regression relative to last year. Um, I think that there was a few people that tweeted out the aggregated, you know, luck, uh, you know, uh, score from the year, you know, which teams have been most fortunate, which teams have been least. The Vikings are last in the luck index by a huge margin. So, you know, I think luck uh, certainly has a role to play. It's a game of inches and the inches just haven't gone the Vikings way so far this year. There's some that want to blame Quissy Adolfo Mensa saying he didn't do enough, you know, from a roster building standpoint, looking back at, you know, the 2022 draft with, you know, Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen, you know, at the top and, you know, on down. And, you know, Marcus Davenport is probably going to be put on IR tomorrow. And just the, the team overall is missing key players in, in key spots. You know, is he the blame? 
then you have to say, oh, well, you know, Quasi, you know, drafted those players. Uh, you know, where's Kevin O'Connell to, you know, build them up? You know, where's the roster, you know, development? Where's the player development standpoint? Why are players like Andrew Booth, you know, who obviously was a talented and high regarded corner, you know, coming out of college, uh, just not living up to his draft pedigree? What about Lewis Seam? Obviously, he had the gruesome injury, but, you know, is there more that could be done there? You know, what about Ed Ingram? You know, what's going on there? Also on the coaching, you know, going into the gameplay, you know, why, you know, can't they get play calls in a time? Why is there a confusion with Kirk Cousins, you know, year two in the system? Why are timeouts, you know, why is a team doesn't have timeouts nine minutes left in the game? So there's blame on Kevin O'Connell. Then you have blame on Kirk Cousins. You know, that's been a punching bag from yours truly, you know, as well for a few years. You know, when, you know, he's a veteran and he can't get the, you know, make a decision at the end of that game, whether or not he wants to spike the ball or not, you know, you, you expect a little bit more out of him or, you know, why is this offense sputtering so much? Is it, you know, bad play calls or he just can't get it out. He's not being aggressive enough. Are there players plays out there that, you know, I think Kevin O'Connell has mentioned a few times that there's been plays in the field that he just hasn't taken advantage of. So, you know, there's plenty of blame to go around about, you know, who exactly is at fault here or, or sorry, another one, the Wilfs for not letting the Vikings completely, you know, quote unquote, tank a rebuild or, or saw the process, you know, before. And then lastly, the one I would add that doesn't get a lot of uh, addition, but I will throw it, this into the uh, ether and see what comes out in the reaction. But in part, I think it's the fans. I, I, I think that maybe we bought too much into, you know, the 13 and four season last year and had, you know, bigger expectations than what were possible. And maybe this also goes to the ownership. And last year we were roughly a 500, you know, football team. And I think this year we've been a little bit, you know, unlucky and we're probably roughly a 500 team this year. And overall, we're just not that good. And then having the expectations that, you know, we were going to come out and, you know, be division champs again, or actually compete, you know, further uh, into the playoffs this year was maybe just unreasonable expectations, um, you know, for, for a lot of fans going into the season. So, I think there's a lot of blame to go around uh, about, you know, what actually happened so far this season. Uh, But I think the more compelling discussion is, you know, what should happen next? And I, uh, I went on Twitter and I interacted with uh, a few people, um, you know, from the Vikings uh, Twitterverse uh, that, you know, I think have been making some interesting points over the last few weeks um, that I've disagreed with. And in part, uh, their overall perspective is, you know, they, this team still has a chance to compete um, and that, you know, this is they're trying to build a winning football culture um, and that there are, you know, some veterans on the team who might be in the last year of their deal, like Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith or Jordan Hicks. Um, and from the standpoint of uh, sorry, I, my golden retrievers in the room, she might make an appearance later. But if you hear any noises in the background, that's what's going on. Hey, when can you put that down? Um Anyway, uh, that if, you know, the team wants to build this winning culture moving forward, it might be best to just hold on to some of these veteran players, see if you can't make a late season uh, resurgence and, you know, continue to have a strong locker room. It doesn't really matter if, you know, uh, we hold on to some players and they end up walking in in the offseason, but you don't trade players away. You don't, you know, give up the locker room. And then you let the draft, you know, play out as it plays out. We all know that the draft is somewhat of a crapshoot. Um, you know, there looks like there's a number of good quarterbacks heading into the draft, but there's still, you know, a good portion of the college football season to go. You know, we don't really know how it turns out. You know, everyone had, 
you know, Caleb Williams is their consensus, you know, number one guy heading into this weekend. And then he throws three interceptions and you have a lot of people starting to question him now. You know, the, the season has ebbs and flows. And in the long run, it's better to just kind of play it out, you know, continue to build the you know, team, try to see if you can't, you know, come back. Uh, and then from there, uh, you know, just we get to the offseason and then you deal with it. You see if you can't sign Daniel Hunter, you know, if everything works out, you see where you stand with some of the other players. You know, you have draft capital in the future. You can trade up if you want to, or you can potentially trade players then. You know, you just kind of let things play out and see how see how they unfold. Um, and that, you know, the other resounding point that I want to be clear that I make is that, you know, looking at you know, from a team morale or team chemistry standpoint, trading away players is kind of tossing up a white flag. And is that going to ruin, you know, the good favor and the good, you know, perspective that a lot of, you know, players have about wanting to play in Minnesota or just the general vibes, you know, in the locker room? Is that going to hurt player development over the long term? And is, is a few day three picks or, you know, potentially a, you know, day, you know, two pick uh, in return for Hunter, you know, worth all that. So um, that's kind of an interesting perspective. You know, I, it's not necessarily the way that I think about roster building standpoint, but I want to make sure that it's reflected here of, you know, that seems to be roughly from what I'm saying, half the fan base um, has that kind of view where they, you know, think that we're still possibly in contention. We could think we go on around the second half of the season that we just need to hold, you know, onto what we're doing and, and, and see what we, what can come of it. You know, maybe we can sneak in the playoffs and make some noise. And, and that's worth it from their standpoint. And they see that as, as a, as a potential, you know, successful end to a bad start of the season will carry good vibes into next year. Where I see, you know, the flaws in that uh, are, you know, I think culture is important. Um, and I think that the locker room is important. We saw that at the end of the Mike Zimmer tenure, but the thing that's ultimately going to make a winning locker room uh, or a happy locker room is wins. Um, and the best way to set yourself up for wins in the future uh, is to make sure that, you know, from, from a roster building standpoint, you're putting yourself in the best position to succeed moving forward in future years. So if you take just a look at it, how the, how the Vikings played against the bears this past weekend, and the only two wins on the season are both road games um, against the two teams that I think are currently one and two uh, in um, the draft order right now, uh, heading into April. Uh, and you play arguably the best team in the NFL, who is, I mind you, a little bit beat up right now, but has an extra day of rest heading into Monday. It's only, you're almost assuredly, I mean, unless crazy you know things happen this Vikings team can put a full game together which there's no proof they can so far this season especially the way that they've performed uh that they're going to be two and five uh heading you know out of the San Francisco game you know with uh the Green Bay game still coming up you know that's a road game in Lambeau Field you know Green Bay hasn't looked the best this year but you know with the way that we're playing there's no evidence that the Vikings can beat a team of that caliber um because we haven't been able to do it um so I think it's highly likely that, you know, we're sending in either, you know, three and five uh, heading into the trade deadline or, you know, two and six. Um, and from that standpoint, um, I just don't feel confident that this team can actually do the turnaround. I mean, even if they're three and five and they beat the, you know, Green Bay Packers, you know, they have to win, you know, what for the rest of this rest of the year um, to finish nine and eight, they need to go. Um, so if they're three and five, you know, um, you need to go at least uh, six and two or something like that. I just don't know that that's that's uh, that's that's possible 
um, you know, for this team uh, to really be able to, to come back based upon their performance so far. And then you're kind of looking at, okay, you're looking at players like KJ Osborne, Ezra Cleveland, Jordan Hicks, um, all three of those players. I don't think you could throw DJ Wanham in there too. I don't think we've heard a single thing about the Vikings being interested in extending those players into next year. None of you are, none of them are going to get, you know, high draft capital back, but you know, those are veteran players that could get, you know, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks um, that will help fill out, you know, the bottom of your roster and get those four-year rookie contracts uh, moving forward. And, you know, you're going to have to replace that talent anyway in the off season, if you're not going to extend them um, in, in March, why not get a jump start of that with draft picks in hand? So I, I think that those are fairly low hanging fruit that um, are not core, you know, cornerstone players, you know, for this team, if you can get draft capital, it really seems like a no brainer uh, from my standpoint. Then you have the curious case of Harrison Smith. Now Harrison Smith took a pay cut to stay with the team this year. He's obviously he loves Minnesota. You know, it seems like he's one of those career biking guys, but here's the thing. If this season's going nowhere and Harrison Smith is in the twilight of his career, um, is there a small chance that he might want to go play for a contending team? Now, if the answer is no, and he wants to be in Minnesota, then I think that, you know, Quasi Dofamensa and the front office need to honor that. You need just to hold on to Harrison Smith, let him kind of do what he wants from this season roster standpoint. But chances are, based upon, you know, the contract that he still has and the Vikings have to ask him to take a pay cut uh, heading into the season, it's pr- unless he's willing to do a massive pay cut, you know, again, he's probably gone uh, in the offseason this year or retiring. Um, and especially with all the the depth and talent that the Vikings actually have at the safety position, you know, young guys like Theo Jackson, Lewis Seen, uh, Jay Ward uh, need to have the ability to step up and, and contribute to this team. And so there's just not really going to be a space for Harrison Smith after the season. So, you know, obviously it's good vibes. It's good for have a captain in the locker room and a leader. But if there's a chance that he wants to go play for a contender and, and chase a Super Bowl ring, which, you know, he hasn't been able to do, um, you know, recently in Minnesota, then I don't blame the guy. And you could get, you probably get a high day three pick for him as a half season rental. And then ultimately, you know, the, the big thing, I think that's the main debate uh, heading into the trade deadline for the Vikings is Daniel Hunter. Um, and so let's just look at the history in this one. I think for the last few years, um, you know, the, both sides have been putting on a bandaid on this contract. Uh, and so if you just even take the, the recent front off, office um i think last year they moved some money in his contract up so he could get paid more um and then when it came to this off season you know there that money was no longer there and so you know there was a few different options at the at the at the table at the time they could either trade him which it seems that there was some interest uh via trade uh in august they could extend up for a long-term contract or, or they could find a way to do a stopgap one-year band-aid deal and so this team decided decided to convince Neil Hunter to do the one-year deal, which I thought was actually a bad move from an individual standpoint for Daniel Hunter, uh, because he's been getting uh, pushed around by the Vikings front office the last few years. And that man took a horrible deal a few years ago. It was great for the Vikings. No, I cheered it. But um, from an individual standpoint, he took a below market deal and that man deserves to get paid. And when he's the number one uh, leader uh, in sacks this year, um, he deserves to go and squeeze as much money as he can out of you know some team in March. And if I was his agent, 
you know, unless he is just absolutely dying to stay in Minnesota's for his entire career, which, you know, the homer in me wants to believe that. But if I'm just being objective and looking at it from a personal standpoint, he wants to hit the open market and he wants to get paid as much as possible. And taking a hometown discount again with the Vikings is probably not the way, you know, in order to, you know, maximize getting his back. And if you're the Vikings, you know, when you're somewhat, if you're considering moving on from Kirk Cousins and potentially drafting a quarterback in the first round, and you have a lot of defensive, you know, holes to potentially fill, and you're trying to get right by the seller cap, and you might be a few years, you know, probably next, not next year, you're probably not competing, but not competing maybe until, you know, 2025. Does Daniil Hunter fit that time horizon? And, you know, to for him to see that out and see get into 2025 or 2026 when the Vikings, you know, actually could be contending for, you know, late playoff run, is Daniel Hunter still going to be the same player he is now? And that's the real question you have to ask yourself is he's 28, 29. How long do you expect Daniel Hunter to be at the top of his game? Um, and are you willing to pay to pay a, a top money to secure him? Because Hunter is a player that deserves to get paid uh, this time around. And are you going to make a competitive offer to keep them uh, over the long term? And so if you just factor all those things together, I think it, it points to Daniel Hunter being on his way out. He doesn't fit the Vikings time horizon. He's a great player. Um, and he wants to go get back, get the bag in March. So, you know, what do you do with that contract? Because in the business of the NFL, you know, players are obviously great you know, individuals. But from a roster standpoint, you don't own players. And that sounds awful. Um, you own contracts, you own the ability, you own the rights to have that player play for you. And um, from that standpoint, it is a big asset to have Daniel Hunter's contract for the rest of the year. Um, and some contending team that uh, when it comes to when they're thinking about they're making their postseason push in January and pass rush and being able to put pressure on those playoff quarterbacks is so important. You could see, you know, Daniel Hunter being able to fetch you know, day two draft capital, if not a first round pick, if they can find a way to to make an extension happen. And so as much as it pains me to say, move on from Daniel Hunter, if you just look at all the factors, the Vikings um, upheld climb from being able to compete this year, the Vikings probably disinterest in paying a top of market rate to Daniel Hunter of long-term because based on their time horizon, Daniel Hunter personally wanting to go get, get the bag and for Daniel Hunter playing out, uh, having a great year and, you know, uh, being at high uh, draft, you know, capital right now, it all points to over the next two weeks, finding a way uh, to make a trade happen so that he's happy and that the Vikings can use that draft capital and look forward to, um, you know, trying to move up to potentially draft a quarterback. Um, so that's my thought process. Of course, the other people would say, you still have a chance to compete. You can make a run. You most surely won't make a run without Daniel Hunter on your defense. And, uh, the other the other thing is just like, what does that say about your team if you're trading away one of your best players and Daniel Hunter? And is that going to lose the rock locker room? I think that those I don't think that there's really a much of a chance that the Vikings are actually going to compete this year. And I think the locker room will understand that, you know, Daniel Hunter wants to go chase a ring and he wants to go get paid somewhere else. So if I were the Vikings, uh, I would, you know, especially, you know, coming out of that San Francisco game, you hope that Daniel Hunter you know, nothing crazy happens. He doesn't get injured or anything like that. But I would try to work with his representatives, especially if the Vikings lose against the 49ers on Monday and, and say, you know, here are a few teams that you can talk to about doing a long-term contract 
you know, start negotiating it now while we negotiate draft capital. And if he's able to agree to terms that a long-term deal will say like a team like Jacksonville, that's going to increase the potential that the Vikings get, um, you know, bigger draft capital, like a first round pick. So it behooves the Vikings to investigate this to its fullest extent. Um, see what they can get for Dino Hunter. Uh, chances are if he, if he left, he would get a 2025, 20, you know, third round comp pick. But here's the thing about comp picks is that if you go and sign players, you know, if you sign a high caliber free agent, which if the Vikings, you know, uh, move on from Dino Hunter and if they, you know, let Kirk Cousins walk um, in March, they'll have some a lot of cap space flexibility where they could sign a, a top free agent who might cancel out the contract that, you know, Daniel Hunter gets in the comp pick formula. And if that's the case, you let Daniel Hunter walk for nothing. Whereas if you traded him now, you got draft capital in return, and then you went and signed that player, you got that player, and you got whatever draft capital you got from, you know, the, the Daniel Hunter trade. So um, I, I think that it, it all points to making sense for the Vikings to make it move from, you know, a, just a, a roster building standpoint. So over the course of the next, you know, two weeks, uh, when the trade, lo- trade deadlines two weeks from today, it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, and, but here's the thing, if the Vikings were to beat San Francisco and they beat Green Bay, then none of that's going to happen. They're absolutely going to compete for the playoffs and try to make a run. And they probably don't move anyone. So that's where I am on a, on a trade you know, standpoint. Uh, who knows, maybe next week when we're recording the, the next uh, Purple Process episode, you know, the Vikings will have already made a move. And if so, we'll cover it then. Um, the last thing I'll say is uh, I think I pointed this out shortly after uh, just, Justin Jefferson went on IR and I saw that uh, Judd Zolgad of Score North, you know, posted this uh, on a late night uh, video thought um, last night. But um, with the conversation surrounding Justin Jefferson, you know, potentially not playing or not in a rush to come back after the hamstring injury and stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Kwesi and Rob Brzezinski and the Vikings don't try to reach back out to Justin Jefferson to see if they can move on a contract now. Well, you know, he's focusing on his recovery. It's not, he's not really playing games right now. You know, try to put, you know, any discussion about his long-term availability to bed and just get the contract done now. Um, so that's my hope. I'm always optimistic, trying to hope that Justin Jefferson's long-term contract comes through uh, and then everyone feels comfortable where things stand. But uh, I think right now it could be a good opportunity. So look out for that as well over the next few weeks, if that's a possibility. But um, as always, love your feedback. Love hearing different differing views that um, about the future of this team and where you think you should go, especially if they're different from mine. I want to be smarter about that. So uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. DM me. The DMs are open. I uh, love to chat with you uh, about what's going on. Uh, but we've been talking about it for weeks. I think that the next two weeks could be very interesting about the long-term future, you know, of the Vikings and where we position ourselves heading into the 2024 draft. We might be looking for uh, our next franchise quarterback. Um, so thanks for watching. I'll do a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, that's Badass Wood Art, Eat Side Jiu-Jitsu, and of course, Late Monster Brewing. Uh, I think tomorrow night we'll be back with another uh, episode of Vikings Happy Hour. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, and until next week, uh, this is Nick Miller signing out with Climbing the Pocket and Purple Process. You know, have a great night and uh, uh, and try your best to enjoy uh, this San Francisco 49ers game. Uh, I'm not optimistic, but who knows? Maybe they can seek one out. Have a good night.